0: Hi and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am the podcast and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acas Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season 3 is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to and what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am the podcast past and future completely ad free so no interruptions whatsoever what could be better. Anyway enough of the serious blurb let's crack on with the show.
3: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: Tuckshop is the home of UK drag. Headed up by West End theatre producer Chris Clegg, Tuckshop is an entertainment company like no other. With the huge rise in drag popularity over the last ten years, Tuckshop is at the forefront of UK drag culture, coming hot off the heels of Chris's fifteen years experience in the West End as a producer, theatre manager, and marketing expert. With new productions in development and ever-expanding roster of headline performers, Tuckshop works tirelessly to give drag the leg up it deserves. Please welcome to the podcast the talented and incredible Chris Clegg. So, whatever you're up to. This is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on Queer I Am, the podcast season two. I'm super thrilled to to be speaking with you today and we've got lots to talk about and we've just had a conversation um, kind of off air as such um, about the girl group that we both love. So I kind of feel like we need to be talking about that during the show as well, um, if that's all right. Oh, I'm sure way.
1: we'll find a way to get there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But how are you doing today?
1: Great. Great. We are opening the play Death Drop this week. Um, amazing. So we're in technical rehearsals. We've been doing loads of marketing stuff for that. Yeah. Um, so it's a full-on week as well as planning for our Christmas shows. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it never ends. It's Incredible. You know, I've got drag queens coming out of my ears.
0: But it's it's amazing though. And I mean, I've been looking obviously at your website and I've I've seen the adverts because obviously Tucked sorry the um death drop is coming to brighton where i live in december i think it is and i've seen the posters all over the city and adverts for that and stuff and it looks Great. amazing um so yeah super excited about that and and if you had to pick a song to reflect your mood how would it what would your song be today
1: oh today's <laughs> song could be i'm feeling quite camp okay So maybe something like your disco need you by kylie or something oh my, i love just song. you know yeah and just because of all the politics at the minute and people have been bringing up brexit and asking yeah, Keir yeah. samra about that kylie has a french verse in the middle you know where she just speaks french so like you know i feel like kylie would be you know vote remain
0: yeah yeah um,
1: kylie for pm <laughs> Kylie for, oh my god it would solve so many problems and then the campus parliament like, ever <laughs> the campus parliament, like and you know she'd get danny a job just because danny needs the work like (laughs) totally danny would be there danny would be secretary of state or something she wouldn't be sending anyone to rwanda she'd be trying to sell her single Uh, it (laughs) would be amazing
0: yeah yeah it would be like kylie would be like the neighbors side of um (laughs) throwing shade here at soap operas and then danny would come in his home (laughs) and away
1: (laughs) it'd be like the vote leave vote remain yeah absolutely one 52 for the other
0: yeah (laughs) It's amazing i love that i love that yeah that song actually i um it, this is really okay i'm probably a really bad queer here but i really only discovered that song a couple of years ago uh, i think it's been out for yonks and um oh, yeah i was in banger I, it is such a good one and it's it is just like a i don't know it's like empowerment it's like yes we need you you know you just can't help but just feel a bit kind of strong when you're listening to it i think it's brilliant yeah. you so, just so know good. she
1: was sat there in the recording studio and she just looked up and went the gays are going to love this one yeah she just knew (laughs) yeah she
0: She has a i think an inner queer person inside of her definitely she's uh she's fantastic i've never seen carly in concert and um i would love to actually Uh, i've seen her
1: twice well three times one time she was performing with the muppets at the o2 um which is a great intersection of things that i love yeah Um, i saw her aphrodite tour and i saw she did an anti-tour where it was just her in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt singing all the b-sides from her albums oh wow and okay. you know because the fans really know every song mm, ever um, and she was like i haven't sang the song since i recorded it 30 yeah. years ago so she's yeah. got the lyrics to some of them it was quite a cute setup it was just really stripped back kylie which was
0: nice yeah. to see yeah, um, yeah
1: yeah i think it's Coffee, great
0: kylie no, this is it. And I think the thing is with her as well, like she, what I like about her is she sings live. She's, you know, she always, you know, puts on a good show. And actually, she, what was, you know, dubbed as a one hit wonder is actually, she's been so successful. And as I said, her shows are always incredible. I've seen them, like my aunt used to be a really big uh, Kylie Fang. So I've seen loads of her DVDs and that kind of stuff. And I, and I think Kylie actually was my first cassette back in 89 was it the express yourself album where she had like the straw hat on her head was express yourself or something um Um,
1: yeah another one you meet and the hair was coming out of it yeah yeah Yeah, Um, I had that on I think my mum had it on LP or like it was just there and I was like this is mine now thank you
0: yeah i yeah i loved it and i remember i had like this kind of little red kind of casio walkman with you know the really old headphones you put on yeah listening to that i was just like oh this this album is so good and i think i had a neighbor's sticker book as well which i was in love with and you could collect all the different (laughs) stickers and (laughs) all the 80s eh? (laughs) the 80s the 80s so where did you grow up and where do you call home now
1: so i grew up in preston in Mm Lancashire. so i'm a northern boy i was actually born in portsmouth moved to preston when uh we were about two or three years old i think okay. um and yeah so all my growing up years up in the northwest yeah uh which when i got to like 15 16 i got to you know go and have nights out in manchester and you mm-hmm. know dip my toe in there um, yeah, absolutely. and now i live on a canal boat uh sailing the canals of london oh, My, that's just
0: incredible i mean that's like you know you've got the privilege of really living all over london with the canal boat haven't you that's just incredible it's
1: really great i can and i can you know if i decided i want to go up and live in birmingham for a while it would take me about three weeks to get there but yeah. i can uh, you know yeah. move around have a nice time amazing. Um, incredible yeah it's great like you- at the minute i'm just in paddington so it's a nice area right next to hyde park wow. right next to the elizabeth line the new tube so it's mm-hmm. nice and easy
0: Mm-hmm. and do you feel safe as well because i guess you're in central london in a canal boat i mean do you feel relatively safe is it like a nice enclosed area where you are or is it kind of
1: oh no i'm just out by the station <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right like anyone can knock on the door and come on in and say hello if they wanted to um okay. i once i was sat in my boat it's about three or four years ago um and someone knocked on the door yeah and it was this older welsh gentleman and he was like oh i see you've got a, a rainbow flag in your window and yeah. i was like yeah he went don't suppose you fancy a shag do you uh, <laughs> amazing and i was like come on in <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> i thought about it uh, you know um but yeah so you know it's it's they're not there are areas and mooring spaces where you can be like locked yeah. in and, and in residential sections yeah but because i move around um i feel safe on it you know that's amazing I think i'm quite a trusting person yeah uh, but i've never had any issues with safety or security on. And, and I think
0: it's what you know, isn't it, as well? It's like if you're, you know, if you're used to it, it becomes kind of second nature. I guess it's like, yeah, if you've never done it before, it's obviously going to be a bit like, you know, what is this going to be like? But when you've done it for eight years or so, I guess it's yeah, exactly. just the norm, just the norm. So obviously you, you alluded to like kind of, uh, you know, Manchester being on your doorstep and, you know, going there in your teens. What was it like growing up like in Preston area as, as, as a queer kid? What, you know, how did you, how did you find that?
1: So I had my, as I think a lot of us do as young queer kids, had my outlet in a theater company that I would go on weekends and be part of the youth company there. And we'd yeah. rehearse for shows and we'd put on our own shows. And then we'd be part of, uh, if the adult company, they would yeah. tour to stately homes and they would do Shakespeare in the parks and things like that. Amazing. So this youth company, we were part of that. So we'd get to be in the adult show sometimes if they needed any kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a twin, so uh, my twin brother is straight, and we were both in this company. So I had I always had my brother with me, but I also support there, yeah, yeah. And then I came out and the first person I came out to. I was about fifteen, mm-hmm. um, which was obviously, you know, my best friend at school, who was a girl, and we mm-hmm. used to sit and watch the Donny Osmond Joseph video on repeat. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was it was all right for me. I my parents were very i don't think they were surprised in any way shape or form mm-hmm. when i uh mm-hmm. finally uh came out to them uh yeah it was yeah. quite quite luckily very kind of okay yeah fine and easy for me which i know a lot of people especially in the north don't have um yeah but yeah i was surrounded by nice people my parents gave us nice outlets for creativity which was good nice i might foundation. you know my dad's Yeah, my dad's a nurse. My mum's always just kind of done whatever job she needed to do. So we never had any money, but Mm -hmm. they were always really trying to make sure that we weren't just Mm -hmm. around growing into little terrors like some of the kids (laughs) in the neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think as well, like, you know, obviously theatre is an
0: outlet, isn't it? And, you know, being a part of a community and something. I mean, I moved to Brighton last year, so um, I'm originally from Suffolk and um, me and my husband moved here last November. And the sense of community here i talk about this on most of the episodes but it just is just amazing to me i love it so much and i think it's so important to have your tribe and have your community so to have that at like 15 in your kind of like theater workshops and stuff i guess is is great really it gives you that confidence doesn't it to to be authentic be yourself and you know um not have to to hide away And we mentioned earlier we were um born in the same year you know 1999 <laughs> 1999 yeah
1: that's when we were born correct
0: <laughs> but um yeah, I came out when I was nineteen, so I was a bit a bit later to the party. Um, but I do wonder, like you know I was always interested in theater performing, all of that kind of stuff, and I never really had the confidence to do it. And I do wonder whether if I'd have been in different circles, whether I just would have had more of a confidence or would have had again, more of my tribe around me to understand who I was and actually to be more authentic. But I think it is you are where you are, and you 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 deal with what you can at the time, don't you? But um,
1: and yeah, you find I, I, I find a lot of queer people as well, especially. Like our age and older, mm. move into the creative stuff later in life as yep. they kind of as the world has changed and they couldn't yep. do things like this when they were younger. Yeah, um, absolutely. you yeah. know these the doors have opened up a lot in the last couple of decades
0: yeah well even you know like this podcast I mean literally this was born this year after I moved to Brighton and I just from all the conversations I was having in the community and the different people I was speaking to I just thought there could be something here really to talk about experiences and talk about the different artists and their experiences being artists but also queer life and things and and I you know we're so lucky now that we have social media and all these different platforms where you can literally just get a mic and you know start making art and I think that's incredible whereas 20 years ago You know, how much more difficult was it to get into that type of arena and and try and do that? It just wasn't that possible, really, was it? So we are exactly. And we,
1: with Tuck Shop, that's one of the things that we've been really, you know, in the last few years, being able to put this kind of level of work on big Mm -hmm. stages. Mm -hmm. Um, My assistant producer, Peter, was telling me about the musical Cage of Fall Mm -hmm. when it first opened on Broadway in the late 70s, uh, early 80s. You know, the creative team, uh, one of them is Harvey Feierstein, who is the big, queer icon and he suggested that maybe they cast queer people in the roles Mm -hmm. um of this big broadway musical and everyone was like don't be silly like you know uh we now have the opportunity to do shows like death drop with a fully authentic drag cast um which is you know so different to where we were five years ago 10 years ago 20 20 years ago it's mad
0: it's changed so much. I mean, let's let's talk career because obviously, fifteen years' experience in the West End as a producer, theatre manager, and and marketing expert, and now Tuck Shop Entertainment, um, and you specialise in theatre production, club promotion, merchandising, and obviously artist representation around drag. So, I mean, this is is incredible. And as I said, the website there are so many fantastic shows that are either in production or you know you've you've already released, which are just so exciting. So, how did how did Tuck Shop get started for you?
1: So, Tuck Shop, I used to. So I always produce, wanted to be a producer mm-hmm. and then I, I produced a show that lost a lot of money when I was a bit younger okay. and so I just had to get a bar job to pay the bills, wow. which I'm, I will do, you know, if I've got to pay my bills, I've got to pay my bills. Mm. So got this bar job and ended up working there, living rent-free in Soho for two years, it submerged all of a sudden in gay bars, queer culture, drag queens. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's where I started doing drag myself Okay, um, and kind of got into this world. And there was a bit of shame about it. I wouldn't tell the people that I'd done, you know, these professional theatre productions with, I'd always try and keep the two very separate. Mm -hmm. And just as that side grew and as I got back into the theatre, I stopped performing as much myself, but I thought there's got to be a world where you know these performers you know mm-hmm. drag queens and drag kings can do makeup costume hair mix their own tracks they write their own material they mm-hmm. they really are like a you know quadruple threat at least mm-hmm. they can do so much Absolutely. so i was like there's got to be a world where that can be uh, expanded on and i used to do a lot of marketing and graphic design for a queer bar in Camden called Her Upstairs that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, and I just was friends with the people that ran it and all the drags that would perform there. And the people that would perform there were, you know, Taste from Drag Race, Cheryl Hall, mm-hmm. Kids Scott Claws. It was all the people that are now on shows like Drag Race. And yeah. we the first show that Topshop put together was Gals Aloud, which was yes. for one night we were like, let's just do a girls allowed tribute show. Mm-hmm. Um Cheryl Hall is a massive Girls Aloud fan and she yeah. was like yes she's like I've been wanting to, to do this for ages so we did it as like a little test and the bar would only hold 60 people most and we ended up cramming in I think it was 110 people wow. um and we were like this is ridiculous this is just people dressed up as girls aloud lip-syncing the songs um And, you know, there were funny bits. And the great thing about Girls Aloud is their history of reality TV gives you so much material. Absolutely. Like they have done so much and they are all just absolute fodder for a a comedy show. It's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And then it kind of, because that one did so well, I was like, let's take a risk. And we booked the underbelly Spiegel tent on the South Bank, which holds nearly 600 people. And it sold out. And we were like, okay, this is great. Um, and that was <laughs> yeah. good for me because it was like, oh, I can now produce shows with this community that I've now been part of for a while yeah. and find like a way to mix them together and make it bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Gals Aloud was kind of the start. How of the it got started.
0: Amazing. And still
1: to this day with Death Drop, with Death Drop 2, with Who's Holiday, I think Gals Aloud is my favorite show we do because right. first of all, as a Spice Girls fan, girls allowed do have a slightly better catalog like and it pains me to say that but there are how could you i know but they've <laughs> got so much and we do a spice Girls show as well but there's just so much more comedy in girls allowed than there are in the spice girls yeah um but i love doing our Girls Aloud show and it's nice that you know we still can do the show that started it all with touch up
0: hmm absolutely yeah that's good and i uh, you know i Hall was amazing on on drag race um loved her i thought she was fantastic so and uh, you know there was such a moment when cheryl became a guest judge and then she was just literally in front of her going you just don't realize what you mean to be i mean it was just such a full circle moment for her it must yeah. have been incredible so so lovely yeah. i mean that's incredible i mean drag has exploded over the last 10 years or so hasn't it i mean it's just so mainstream now what do you think the reason for this is
1: i think it's weird i think obviously drag race is Mm. a a massive conduit for why it's now so huge yeah i think it's just the the audiences and the public have as much as we hear a lot of uh bad news stories about transphobia and, Mm -hmm. and hate crimes and things like that and just the hardships that we face i do think generally people are more accepting and are more mm-hmm. open to queer art and to drag and i think the visibility of drag race has helped people who necessarily wouldn't go to a gay bar to see yes. a drag show go yeah. and find that in different spaces and different venues so yeah. i think having it be much more accessible accessible to different ages to different uh communities mm-hmm. it just makes it you know, my dad has been now to see some of my shows and, you know, he would never have gone to see a, a drag queen in a small bar, but mm. being able to sit in a theatre, it kind of gives it a respectability. So I just yeah. think having it in all these different spaces, whether it's a brunch, whether it's still in a bar, whether it's a cabaret, whether it's a tour, whether it's a Western theatre, there's, there's so many routes into it now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really, really helps.
0: And there's, I think as well, it, the, you know, it's so different to what it was when, you know, we were growing up in the eighties and nineties. You know, drag has evolved so much. And I think RuPaul's drag race clearly has something to do with that. And I think the aesthetic is so different now. And but you've also got, you know, here in Brighton, you've got traditional queens, you've got, you know, people oh. that don't do the contour, and you've got people that are, yeah, you know, that are like people like Miss Jason and Davina Sparkle. People, you know, Miss Jason's
1: are, my favorite. I love her.
0: <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're just doing their thing. And it's just, you know, they are not going to change for anyone. That's who they are. But then you've got loads of up, you know, up and coming queens like one of my favorites locally is shallow vera who is just incredible and um i met at a dance class and you know we just started talking and she i've got i've got a gig at the queen's arms and then you know, I've now been to see her so many times and it's just, she does parodies and, but she also has an amazing like voice and does these massive eighties power ballads and stuff. And her look is just incredible. And it's like, you've got two different ends of the spectrum, but actually there's room for all of it. And I think that's, that's a really lovely thing about it. And, and you're right when people come to the bars, you've got, I mean, you, you know, you get a lot of hen parties, which, you know, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's a bit yeah. chaotic, Um, but you've got, you know, couples that are just down to Brighton on their holidays you know just you know straight couples or you know people are just coming out to see the drag because it's just fun and it's entertaining and it yeah. gets a laugh and the music's good and uh, yeah as you say it's there's, a good time no isn't it you can have a great time yeah I, yeah this is it when the music starts off and you're just like you know and like Miss Jason for example will just see someone in the audience and you just know that they're that's the focus for tonight, you know, the shirt they're wearing or whatever. And they just keep so coming quick.
1: back to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're so quick and they're not, they're not unkind, but they're just, they're just so quick to, and actually you get really good people in the audience that really play along with it. And I think that makes, that makes the show for everyone as well. It's, it's just so, so much I fun.
1: Because drag in the UK, especially, is so, uh, built in like vaudeville traditions and having that rapport with the audience and mm-hmm. a lot of straight men, like Hinge and Bracket, even, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dame Edna, you know, these straight men, uh, have done this for decades and years. So I think with Panto Dames as well, there's like a love of that kind of old school drag, Mm -hmm. um, that the older generations love. And then we've got the newer generations who are putting their own spin on things. I think you've got this whole huge, it's like the Marvel cinematic universe of drag. Like you've got the different elements and aspects of it that kind of come together. Yeah. um and like you say you can see these old school queens you know who sing i am what i am and rip their wig off at the end yeah. <laughs> and and it's like nobody's shocked that you're a man we all we all know <laughs> um and then you've got you've got you know the much more gender queer the drag kings um mm-hmm. that the it's just it's so exciting to see where the art form can go and it's not yeah. even one art form it's about nine art forms in one
0: yeah yeah and it's so much work goes into it and you know one one of my favorite acts in brighton is i don't know if you've heard of her but she does a femme cabaret billy gold you heard Mm. billy and her voice is just incredible and her she makes all her own outfits her look is incredible you know she's not doing drag she's doing femme cabaret and she it's just beautiful. Like she sings these songs and it's, she puts different spins on different tracks and like she sings Jolene, but she sings it from a lesbian's perspective, like, please leave your man because you can. And, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's brilliant. It's just, you know, you kind of, I'm just lost in that kind of art for like an hour and a half. It's just, you know just incredible and then you got like, people like caravan park doing western wednesday singing nothing but show tunes yeah. and just it's just amazing and there's there's something for everyone i i absolutely love it it's one of my favorite things to do i i think i've probably spent my life savings in going to pubs and watching <laughs> drag in the last 12 months we've got
1: some of the queens that do our shows um they have fans that go to nearly every show and i yeah. think how do you afford this like yeah. Like, how can you, they travel the country to support these people to go and watch them. If they're doing a gig in Edinburgh, if they're doing a gig on the West End, if they're, you know, on a tour, they'll go to every single show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you say, people spend essentially probably their life savings to support these performers. Like you would, you know, like you and I probably would have done with, you know, Kylie or the Spice Girls. Girls, To me, I was probably a bit too old, but I still want to see A1 all the time. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. I love A1. (laughs) A1 and Hearsay. Yes. Um, oh,
0: Hearsay. I love what, what track did they do? The, um, not pure and simple. The one they, they did like, Oh, was it everybody? That was my favorite
1: one. Yeah.
0: yeah, I love um, that tune.
1: That was good. I've just found out today that Suzanne Shaw is coming to the opening of death drop and I'm so excited.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh, fantastic. Um,
1: I'm like, Jessica to meet someone from Hearsay. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> get on the show. <laughs> three down. I've met now.
0: Oh, who else um, have you met?
1: Noel Sullivan. I'm quite, okay. friend- I'm quite good friends now with Noel. Okay. Um, and, uh, kim marsh Marsh. but very briefly yeah yeah i told her i had a a kim marsh doll when i was younger (laughs) and she kind of looked at me like why why like go away this is mad i was quite (laughs) drunk at the time
0: (laughs) i love that though thing is when you meet people that are your heroes you you have to just tell them what you feel i a couple of years ago i did a um so Mel C did a, she released her album and because of COVID she couldn't do the tour so she did a live stream when the album released and a hundred fans got to do a one minute video call with her and I think oh, wow. I spent most of it just kind of like clapping my hands frantically going, oh my God, you're here. You yeah, know, cause it's it's just like I've been waiting so many years to actually yeah. have a conversation with her. You know, when you watch someone and you've admired them for so many years, you you do just have to tell them everything and try to get out in one minute is quite tough as well. Um, I
1: got to, um, when Jerry Halliwell recorded her single for, after George Michael passed away. Oh yeah. um, My friend is a photographer and he was asked to go and take pictures of her in the recording studio. And he was like, do you want to come and pretend to be a photography assistant? He was like, <laughs> I'll just get you to move the light around a bit. You just stand there. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Yeah. So I got to be in the actual recording booth wow. with Joey Halliwell while wow. she did a take. Um, the vocals sound very different once the song was released, um, <laughs> but it was. But I was just stood there like in this, holding this light, like with Jerry Halliwell doing a record, uh, take a song. CGI. And I was like, this is ridiculous.
0: That's amazing. I quite like Angels and Chains. I think it's quite a good track.
1: <laughs> do you know what? I've not listened to it basically since it came out. It's uh, all right. Yeah, um, it's all right. Yeah.
0: She, she did it live on the one show. It actually, she, I was quite surprised. Her vocals were, were pretty good, actually. Um, she, yeah, she, she was all right. But um, that's incredible, well, though. What a story. That's amazing.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
3: luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: I, I will say Jerry Halliwell has the best single discography from the girls. Melsey's got better songs, but Jerry's is, you know.
0: I always think, right, and, and they would come on to Spice Girls. And we got, yeah, we this go. is going to happen. It's Here so, we go. So quickly. So, my husband said this, and I agree. I think um, Schizophonic, her, her album, is really yes. the Spice Girls' third album. Yes. Yeah. Because Forever it's, was so far removed from the other two.
1: There's like three or four tracks on Forever that I'd still, you know, pop on. Mm-hmm. Um, but Schizophonic, first of all just the title alone i remember being like that smug little kid being like do you know what it means it means the sound is split and the <laughs> you could you could take out the cover and turn it around so it was like the red cover or the white cover yes
0: oh yeah yeah. it
1: was very well thought out jerry um, yeah. and the fact that she killed off ginger in the video of look at me and she had the yeah. funeral yeah um that was, pretty oh, cool. it was dramatic so i what's your favorite the days when she left did you I oh, see, absolutely cried
0: see i I just thought, oh, will they end? And then I was kind of like, I quite like them as a four piece, but, um, but yeah, I mean, forever, forever was good, but what are your favorite songs on it? Cause there's a few that I've, I always listen to. Um,
1: I will always listen to right back at you.
0: Oh, I love that one. No, good one.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um not forgetting the days when we were all oh, wannabes. wannabes. <laughs> yeah. I stood up through and through, through and through to the <laughs> limit. Like, all right now. Uh, yeah. I think probably right back at you is my favorite off the album. Yeah. Let me do a bit of a deep dive on
0: that one. Yeah, I I like um oh there's a couple um uh, I don't think I don't know what's going on but wasting my time. It's like yes, a, it's, there's a couple. Yeah, some really good like they almost like merge into there's two songs that like merge into one. Um, yeah, and I do like a bit of oxygen as well, the ballad. I think that's yeah, nice.
1: oxygen's a nice one. Yeah. Do you know what song I just will never accept a Spice Girls canon? Like it doesn't exist. It's it's not a real song. It's headlines hate it yeah yeah why, that was just, why? yeah if you're gonna give us a new song give us a bit of a bop do you know what and I mean? it didn't really do very well either did it it was it was no. i think
0: it went in like number 20 and also they released voodoo on the greatest hits album which was a bit rubbish as well
1: bit rubbish the yeah. best song that i love is uh like b-side weird Hard to find is step to me. Oh, I love step to me. It, they just released it. They've literally just released yeah, it. It's part yeah. of the twenty fifth, haven't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why I love it so don't much you Step to me. Everything in cover takes. I had the rumor. I yeah, love it. It's the <laughs> best. So good. <laughs> yeah. My Melby impression there, by the way. That was great. <laughs> went a bit, went a I bit thought she of it. was here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love this. Um, so um you've you've talked about your shows. You've got some amazing shows coming up. So Death Drop um is back, and you've got Cheryl Hole in that. Um, and then you've got Who's Holiday featuring Miss Cracker.
1: Yeah, and then also sorry. I was gonna say we're really excited about Who's Holiday because it's uh, yeah, it's a one-woman show, it's a play. Mm-hmm. And essentially it's following on from the Grinch, which I think again, especially people our age, that Jim Carrey Grinch film has like some weird nostalgia where we think it's quite camp Um, and it's got Christine Baranski in it being camp. So um, we, we found this play that had been done off Broadway and it'd been done in New York and it'd been uh, toured a little bit around America. It's a one woman show about Cindy Lou, who the young blonde girl has grown up and she's married the Grinch, had his baby, been to prison She's now living in the trailer park and is setting up for a party. And it's just a one-woman show. It's all in rhyming like Dr. Seuss language. Amazing, it's so filthy at times and <laughs> dirty and funny, but really heartwarming and touching. Amazing. Um, and just having Miss Cracker in a role like that, it's the first time it's been done by a drag queen this show. So okay. I think it's going to be really fun. We're doing a week in Manchester and then we've got five weeks in London. Yeah, um, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be so fun.
0: I mean, obviously these these shows are, you know, incredible. I mean, thinking about like production and putting them together, you know, what inspires you? Is it like taking popular culture and things you love and then mixing it up into drag? Because I know you've got obviously, you know, Back in the Habit is obviously a reference to Sister Act, I'm, I'm saying, yeah. which I think is one, one of my favourite Our generation
1: ever. at the minute, we everyone is like really leaning into and nostalgia is just mm-hmm. big and people, you know, like that comfort. Um, maybe mm-hmm. because the world is all, up and all over the place and in turmoil that a bit of comfort and that nostalgia is uh really really popular mm. so yeah anything we can do like with death drop the first one we really wanted to do a traditional british bird mystery this mm-hmm. new one even though it's got Act in the title is elements of that but it's more like a horror film okay um and kind of leaning into that almost scary movie type vibes
0: <laughs> nice <laughs>
1: yeah. um with our Gazaloud and our Spice Gal show, they're very nostalgic as well because you get all yeah. the throwbacks and all the references. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it works well for drag people. You know, drag queens have always done parodies and have always done impersonations, and yeah, yeah. I think leaning into that is is fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's the, so the Crown? Have, have you released that yet, or is that in
1: production? Is that... The Crown. Well, that's actually a competition that we run. Okay. So the Crown is our search for new drag talent basically the first one we did was one by vanity milan before she did drag race um and we've now done a few in london a couple in manchester um and essentially it's like you would come to a bar and watch drag race in person each week someone gets eliminated and it's a really fun way of uh finding people for us to work with people to experiment yeah it's a a lot of fun and i think we'll be back with that early next year
0: amazing come to brighton come to brighton
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, like, we do one in Brighton. That'd be fun.
0: Got some amazing queens I could introduce you to, honestly. this yeah, some of them here are just incredible. They they really, really are. That's that's incredible. Who do, I, do like-
1: I love in so I love Lydia Lascabies? She's in Girls Allowed in Girls Aloud. She's a Brighton queen. Okay. terrorist. Um we've got a big Beyonce show coming up. Terrest is based in Brighton at the minute. Um yeah, even Baby from Drag Race moved to Brighton. She was a Brighton girl for a bit. And um, mm-hmm. Brighton does good drag.
0: Yeah every night of the week it's just there's always something on always there yeah it's incredible and it's you know and and don't get me wrong like some of the shows you've seen them once or twice you've seen you know you know what's going to come up but actually it's still it's still great you know there's there's always something to see there's always someone new coming up and and there's actually a real sense of community here as well like where, where the you know people are up and coming you you kind of get like other queens not always, but you definitely get a lot of people champing other people on and like really trying to introduce people and showcase them. And there's, um we've got a new bar called a- um, Acrobalino, I think it's called. Um, And they do loads of different, you know, loads of queens get together and, you know, showcase okay. what they've got and stuff and it, it's just amazing it's a real sense of community and um i love it but yeah I, I I literally have watched drag most <laughs> days for the last year um it's, it's just That's fantastic amazing. yeah and and obviously there's so many you know there's a new tv show i think coming out on itv very soon about drag there's so much going on in theater obviously we're talking about it being really you know really mainstream within kind of like different cities and stuff what do you think drag will look like in like 10 years time where do you see it going
1: I think we might hit a bit of a, a point where it slows down mm-hmm. um, in the near future. I think the amount of shows and talent that gets pushed out by Drag Race, you know, I think that will slow down. But I think it will settle into a place where it was before, but then with these bigger shows and these bigger kind of touring models. And yeah, I, I just think, I think it will just become even more ingrained in The kind of the world of theatre and the arts. Um, I don't think it's ever, you know, going to go anywhere. It's a little bit like burlesque. I don't know if you remember about 10 years ago, the burlesque cabaret side of things exploded and it was everywhere. And it feels like that's gone down again, but, you know, burlesque is still going strong. It just, you know, you get these moments where they go crazy and then they just crack on. And I think there will always be queer people using drag as an expression, as an art form, Whether it's on stage, whether it's for themselves in their bedrooms, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether it's just the look or they want to perform, I think that's not going to go anywhere.
0: No, I mean, when I interviewed, I interviewed Mario Cot and um, Shallow Vera a few weeks ago and we released the episode and Shallow was talking about, you know, actually as drag, you know, being in drag, it's people think, oh, you're putting on a different persona, but actually they feel more authentic in drag it's almost like you're allowing every part of your inner self to come out through that art form and i think you know yeah. as you say queer people are always going to want to do that it's it's self-expression and it's, it's well my of identity, my drag uh,
1: character rosie rosie beaver um <laughs> i don't do very often but we've been filming some stuff with her recently and someone in the office here was like oh i thought rosie would be completely different to chris and they were like no it's just chris in the wig just <laughs> it's just just me being an idiot i get more northern i get more stupid um it's just an excuse to be able to say all the bad stupid puns and rubbish jokes that i have in my head i just get away with it because you've got a wig on yeah, yeah
0: and do you do you feel like um as well it's it enables you to tap into a deeper sense of self as well is it is it like a uh, the filter kind of goes and actually you can just be outrageous or be oh fully more? yeah yeah amazing. fully
1: it just it unlocks something in people um i yeah. think I think it, like people have said many times, it's like armor. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. a disguise that, you know, and it's true once it's on, you can get away with so much and you you have that freedom to, you know, not worry about, uh, who you are day to day. It's just, you're very much in the moment when you're in drag, which is nice.
0: It's like an armor, and, and we always talk about allyship on on the podcast. I think allyship is in, incredibly important. Um, and I, what I'd like to ask about it is today, is from a from a drag perspective. I guess, do you think the drag being so commercial, you know, is bringing a new audience, but also a sense of allyship to the drag and queer community from outside of the community?
1: I think so. I think you get some people that get annoyed when there are um, straight people in queer spaces i think Mm -hmm. the first issue with that is assuming that people are straight Mm -hmm. assuming that people's sexualities their genders i think you know what like if we're doing that to people coming into our spaces like that's what we're supposed to not be doing as a community we're supposed to be welcoming everyone yeah and i think speaking as someone that produces theater and is trying to pay people's wages and bills the more the merrier i think it's exciting for of the course. art form to be seen by more people mm-hmm. i think you know anyone that's buying a ticket to a queer show who isn't queer themselves is 100 percent an ally mm-hmm. and is more than welcome at any show that we do anytime like absolutely bring it on like the more the merrier um, yeah. you yeah. know we've all got stuck to together and when people get funny about 10 parties and I know they can be loud and they can be too Mm -hmm. much at times. And I think there's a Mm -hmm. question about respect of the performers. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, if they want to come and support what we do as an art form and as a living, then we should absolutely embrace that. And they're hundred percent allies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, there's, and again, this is a conversation I've had with lots of different people and there's really mixed reviews about that. And I've, and I think I've personally got mixed views on that as well. um, because I think it's really important to make sure that queer spaces are safe spaces. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago on, on one of the episodes, you know, as a queer person, it's more difficult to go to, say, a Wetherspoons and be completely authentic, you know, or, you know, yeah. and actually, but you're right, you know, we want to make an inclusive space for everyone. It's about, you know sense of community but i think it's just about people being respectful and treating it as yeah. a safe space as well but you're completely right in the sense that the more people that come in the more the art form is is seen it's it's respected and it's it's appreciated and i think there's you know there is a real commercial element to it as well isn't there you know we've got these shows which are just incredible they are going to attract varied audiences and that's that's yeah. a really positive thing that's great
1: what about the community so. sorry that was- i'm just agreeing with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying yeah i think you're right
0: (laughs) what about the community generally like you know the queer community you know what what do you think people need to do to be allies to to the community and and what do you think we can continue to do as a community to be better allies to each other
1: i think we need to be kinder to each other Mm -hmm. um i think there's always even just in the small facet of drag itself there's a lot of infighting and bitching Mm -hmm. and things um I think the biggest thing we can do is, you know, and I probably don't do enough of this, but speak up for the people, you know, i cis white guy and, you know, trans people are having a lot of shit right now. Absolutely. And I think, you know, throughout history, like during the AIDS crisis, lesbians r- were really there for gay people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for gay men. And I think now it's our turn to be there for another section of the community. Absolutely. And with the people trying to divide where they're trying to divide, yeah. uh, it just feels like we need to um, be quite vocal where mm. we can. It's bullshit, um, isn't it? It's just like, come oh, it's, on. It's just it, rubbish. It's trash. Yeah, and, it's, a... and it's actually the people trying to divide. It's not a huge group. They're just really loud. Mm. They're just really loud. And they, mm-hmm. they're relentless and they've got resources mm-hmm. um, so you know we just have to make sure that we kick them in the arse them to piss off and
0: Absolutely and and it is it is you know I I definitely identify the non-binary spectrum and you know I, I for me queer feels more a label that I've become more comfortable with rather than say gay man it just it just doesn't fit well for me um yeah. so I, so I guess like going to like trans pride that's kind of part of my tribe you know um but but I, actually you know just for me, regardless of that, you know, going to Transbide in Brighton this year was just an incredible experience to just be an ally to everyone there that yeah. was there, whether they were trans or not. It was just like a sense of community coming together and just being there for what was right and what is needed, you know, and it was it was just such a beautiful, beautiful uh, day. It really was. And you, you're right, we've, we've got to just keep having that conversation and keep, keep having the uncomfortable conversations as well. It's not... It's not an easy thing to talk about, but actually, there are people having a lot of shit at the moment and a, a you know a, a real tough time, and lots of intersectionalities, you know, are struggling because they don't have the same level of support that maybe other sides of the community do. And it's we've all got to be voices, haven't we, and stand up for yeah. those people and make sure that we're all in it together. Because actually, if one one element of the community is falling down, then we're kind of all we're all screwed, really, aren't we? It's
1: exactly you
0: know it's how it, how yeah. it is,
1: mm, and that's yeah. and that's how you know these. In the past, you know, divide and conquer. Um, mm. So we've got to stick together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for that. That was lovely. I do have a quick fire no for you, Chris. If that's all right. Oh,
1: I love a
0: quick fire. Quick. Oh, yay! Okay, awesome. So your queer I say icon. That, I'm going
1: to be terrible at it. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well,
0: do you know? Okay. I know oh, you might be good. You might be good. Queer icon.
1: bet Midler.
0: Oh, no one said bet Midler. Oh, she's yeah, she's awesome, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Love Bette, and again, she's very vocal. She speaks out for. Yeah. You know stuff, queer anthem, She's...
1: queer anthem. Your disco needs you.
0: Ah, of course, of course. A film you would like to make into a drag show? Uh
1: Death Becomes Her. Already oh been done, but I would do it again.
0: Yeah, they're making Things a new one, aren't they? A new film. Oh, I, I think they're remaking. I think they're remaking it.
1: I will go and protest that and not let it happen. Well, <laughs> I agree. I think I
0: think Kate Hudson's going to be in it, which is um, Goldie Hawn's daughter, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But- okay yeah but i see i'm mixed about these kind of things right sometimes you just don't need to remake a classic and actually are we just running out of ideas now that we're having to like, rehash all these films i just oh, i don't know uh, Love yeah it. love yeah. it i've, I've got
1: a drag queen in it do you know what i mean
0: yes yeah absolutely
1: yeah you should get on the casting <laughs> yeah the
0: it. I- three items you take to a desert island uh
1: a dvd of greece 2
0: <laughs> do you um, love
1: it It's the best film ever made. I will not be taking questions at this point. Um, (laughs) uh, I would take a DVD degrees too, a bottle of poppers. Okay. um, And what else would I take to a desert island? Can I take a dinghy so I can come back? You could do. Yeah, absolutely. a boat.
0: Or so you can pick up someone to use the poppers or or transport a DVD player because you're not going to be able to play the DVD.
1: (laughs) That's very true. Yeah, I, i take a DVD player.
0: Someone said pedalo the other week, which I thought was awesome because you totally could sleep in it and get around. It'd be brilliant.
1: Yeah. good.
0: <laughs> um. Last day on earth. What are you having for dinner?
1: Oh, nachos.
0: Oh, okay. What with everything on it, like. Guacamole and, and
1: veggie, but like with guac, with like some three bean chili, mm. a bit sour cream, some cheese. Oh,
0: loads of cheese melted. Yeah. Oh, my God, amazing. Oh, like
1: piled high, just yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, see, I always say steak. Good old steak. Mm. Good old, you, steak. good old steak with bit, you know, three cooked chips, peppercorn sauce, nice bottle of wine Oh, mayo. I love
1: a peppercorn sauce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good one. That's a good one, actually.
0: Favorite book of all time?
1: Favorite book of all time would be I was talking about what book I like recently. Um oh, there's a book called Um Not Since Carrie, which okay. is about the history of Broadway flops that I've read three times now. Amazing. And then there's a book, a second book I'm cheating, called A Song of Achilles, which is a queer book about if Achilles, uh, back in Greek myths, was gay. um, That's a really beautiful book.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh, cool. Um, I'm reading loads. I've got loads of queer books at the moment I'm reading. I'm reading Young Mungo at the moment by Douglas Stewart.
1: Oh, I've got it. I've not read it yet. Is it good?
0: good. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. I'm really getting into it. And I've just ordered, um, is it Shiggy Bane? his other book, which he won the book prize in 2024. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, Young Mungo is really good. It's kind of real, real page earner. I've just got nine.
1: Miriam Margulies autobiography to read, which I'm expecting to be a riot.
0: Yes, I think, yeah, I I've got it. I started reading it last year, and then I, not that I couldn't get into it, but I don't think I was ready for an autobiography at that period in time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got that one to read, but I've got I've got about 20 books. I, I just keep buying books. And Have
1: you read Red White and Royal Blue? No. Oh, my God. Right. So it's kind of trashy, but okay. it's essentially what if the first son of the president yeah. was gay and got into a relationship with the son, essentially Prince Harry-like. So it's like the first member of the royal family and the first member of the uh, president's family get into a gay relationship. Amazing. It's kind of trashy. They're making a film of it. Um, it's yeah, I be- love stuff um, like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's like a soap opera, but it's great.
0: I read one called "Eat Gay Love." Have you heard Ooh, of that? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've not read it. Yeah, this guy. I don't remember his name, but it was a really good book, all about his travels and you know, finding relationships. And and again, it was one of those books where you just couldn't help but just lose yourself in it because there was just so much kind of going on and um yeah i, I yeah i, I just that. i love going into like bookshops and just seeing the queer section I'm like, right, what can i buy and i come home and i'm like more books but um i will get around to reading them all i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> one day yeah yeah and finally a message of um inspiration or kind of uh, words of advice for anyone that's looking to get into drag and be a performer
1: i think the biggest kind of advice that someone told me years ago with drag is uh just really lean into your strengths. Mm-hmm. Like, be be focused on those. Like, if you're not that going to make up, but you're a strong performer, then just focus on the, like, just yeah. uh, some of the best drag performances I've seen are people that look a mess. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. know, if, if that's your strength, if you're a look queen, then lean into that. Like, you can teach yourself other skills as time goes on, but if you want to make a splash, just focus on what you're good at mm-hmm. to begin with.
0: Well, I guess be an individual as well. Add,
1: yeah. yeah, be an individual, be yourself. Because yeah. um, there are so many yeah. drag performers now um, that trying to differentiate differentiate yourself and trying to do what someone else does just because you think that's popular, I think is just you know the wrong route to go down.
0: And I wonder if people a lot of people watch Drag races and, and think, Oh, that looks really glamorous and easy. I could totally do that." And then they they're almost they yeah. fall at the first hurdle because actually yeah. it's so much more and complex you know, than
1: I've worked with drag performers who are stand up comedians and are really funny and their makeup is busted and then no. they. They think, oh, I should try and redo my makeup to look more pretty in this or the other. Yeah. And you kind of go like, oh, that's not what I want mm. for you. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to go and see Miss Jason in Brighton looking like Crystal Versace. No, no one needs that. <laughs> no one needs that. I want no, Miss it- Jason to look like Miss Jason
0: it just wouldn't go well would it it just would be yeah. like really really random yeah if you walked out about and on, yeah, yeah
1: experiment yeah. and grow over time but just focus on yeah. what you're good at first yeah
0: absolutely no that's that's really good advice thank you so much this has been such a no lovely worries. conversation i've really really enjoyed it and i can't wait for people to hear it as well thanks for having me yeah no worries thank you so much oh okay what a fab conversation the work chris and tuckshop are doing is incredible and whilst it's hard work I can only imagine it must feel like an amazing career that Chris has created for himself. I'm really excited to see Death Drop and his Holiday um, over the next month or so and cannot wait to see what is to come from Tuck Shop. You can check them out on Instagram for all of their show updates. And thank you so much again to Chris for coming onto the podcast. And thank you all for listening. Until next time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Fluey Actually. You can also check out my website fluieactually.com